from The Professor is in. Welcome to the new version of our podcast. We are recording our podcast live on Wednesday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you subscribe to The Professor is in newsletter to be sure and get that link if you'd like to join us live. Or you can listen to the edited version in the podcast form the following Tuesday. If you'd like to support the live or the podcast, you can head over to bit.ly slash ourpod, B-I-T dot L-Y slash O-U-R-P-O-D and help support these ongoing programs. Thanks a lot. We look forward to hearing from you. And here we go. Welcome to our weekly Facebook Live and podcast recording. I'm Kel Weinhold from The Professor Is In. Welcome. And I am Dr. Karen Kelsky of The Professor Is In. And as always, we're delighted you're here with us today. All right. And today we had a conversation last week about burnout. And we felt like we only barely scratched the surface Mm -hmm. of burnout. And so we want to talk about that a little bit more today, but we want to... um, uh, kind of move toward the what do we do with it right mm-hmm. how do we how do we deal with this thing and you know I've been reading so much about it Karen since we talked last week mm-hmm. so I thought the thing from the World Health Organization as having it has three characteristics feelings of exhaustion reduced productivity at work and a sense of detachment from one's job mm. And then I thought, does that mean everybody under capitalism is, is in burnout? <laughs> because do I, do I know people right now who aren't, who don't, who aren't exhausted and have reduced productivity and a sense of detachment, or is it just that the people that I work with, but anyway, I just thought we should get that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talked about it last week as being really can feel like depression, but I just thought that those were really interesting that, mm-hmm. um, that with the pandemic and we've had to really look at work a different way and work has shaped us in different ways. How is that leading to or exacerbating burnout or I don't know. I, yeah. It was a little wander there. I, that When I read it, it just made me go, huh. huh. So it's, wait, it's, what are the three things again? I know, Exhaust, I feelings of exhaustion, exhaustion, reduced productivity, and a sense of detachment from your job. And I maybe mean, what's hanging me up is detachment. Maybe I'm using that in the Buddhist sense. And maybe oh, what they really mean is like, I don't give a fuck. Disillusionment or something. Yeah, right. I um, right. actually really like that. I like it. It's, it's short and it's concise. And I feel like it really gets at the crux of the issue. Right. Because it certainly rings a bell to me that exhaustion, I feel it all the time. Number two was again. <laughs> We're doing well. Reduced productivity. Reduced productivity. I'm dealing with all the time. Mm-hmm. And then that sense of sense of detachment as in disillusionment. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. And I, we have a comment on Facebook that says, "Yeah, I think you're absolutely onto something with capitalism burnout and the current corporate structuring of universities." I mean, yeah. there must still be true believers in every field and area sure, and, and sure. industry. I'm sure, sure there are. I don't know any, I don't think at this point. 
You know, I, I, I guess I can't say that. I, rec- I recognize that there are plenty of people that I know who are academics who are going along just fine. They're doing their work. I mean, they've understood the toll of the pandemic, but they're not, they're not producing less. They're not producing more. They're just kind of making their way. I think they, you know, they um, have a set of circumstances that allow them to set limits or they have the kind of, you know, minds that allow them to set limits, yeah. which, which I think a lot of us don't. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so in looking at that idea, then that makes me think that we have to approach how to um, recover from burnout mm-hmm. very differently than we might other things. But, but I want to make one thing before I go forward. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You have and something have to say. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Forward was the inspiration for talk well first of all last week week's conversation was really interesting and then i saw something on twitter today and that was um we posted it on facebook so some of you have seen it clint byram on twitter said i always thought burnout happened when you work too much Mm -hmm. now i get it it's investing emotionally and then not getting a return on that investment Exactly. That's actually totally different from the World Health Organization. Well, the World Health Organization is talking about symptoms, though. Mm -hmm. Right. So it could absolutely be. And I think that that's a consequence. I think that's I mean, I'm doing broad strokes here, but I think that that's one of the big, big comeuppances, the big whatever's of the pandemic is a whole bunch of people really understanding your job won't love you back. Mm-hmm. that that you will your job will put you in danger your job will will overwork it'll take everything it can get and i think for mm-hmm. folks in the university that that was the there for a lot of people it was the last sort of blow mm-hmm. or one of the many blows mm-hmm. so so the, so i think that when we if we think about those things right if we think about sort of the ex- emotional, physical, psychological exhaustion part, that all, that leads me automatically to my gripe with my current gripe with the self-help movement around work is this idea, this, this phrase work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've probably said it on the podcast before. I've certainly ranted to you about it and everybody I coach individually or in a group or in any other way, that phrase capitalism tells on itself. It's trying to tell you that your work, that, that you should block out every single other thing and do this thing. So it's not a holistic approach to your life. Work isn't part of your life. It's mm-hmm. a work life balance. This is life. Keep it out of the way. And when you come of over work. here, right. you keep it out of the way of work. Right. And so, you know, the more I read, the more I understand that well, first of all, just for a healthy understanding of the world, I mean, operating in the world, we need to get that, understand that they aren't separate, mm-hmm. but also to recover from burnout. It's really critical that we, because one of the first thing that all the experts recommend is that you have to start to track your stress level, right? Mm-hmm. You have to start to track what's stressing you out because mm-hmm. everybody has a different thing that stresses them out. Mm-hmm. And so I would be really interested in the comments from people when you think about your work, when you think, you know, your day starts and you're looking out over the landscape of the day ahead of you, 
what are the things that are your sort of immediate pop in your mind stressors? And it isn't just limited to what happens when you go in the office for those of us who are, for those of you who are returning to offices. What is the thing that makes you just go, oh no, right? Mm-hmm. Because knowing what they are helps you reduce them or avoid them or do whatever to try to lower the stress that's going to be part of your path out of burnout. Hmm. While we're waiting for people to share some thoughts, I also know, I can't actually remember if we shared this last week or not, but the idea that I read recently that burnout is not cured in a day, a week, or a month. Mm-mm. It's a it's a year at minimum, right? Basically, and so we don't have any mechanisms in place for that. Right. You know, I mean, and I mean, and I don't know what they would be. Well, I'm, and I think what you're saying is a step in that direction because most of us cannot just quit and go sit on a beach for a year and recover ourselves. So we have to keep working. We have to keep working. So how do you keep working and yet say to yourself, I am also trying to recover from burnout. Right, right. You know what I mean? So we're still working, but we are also saying I am on a path to recover myself from burnout. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that means taking a different job or, you know, some radical change, but I know Kel, that you're always thinking about how can we stay in the job we have because changing jobs is hard and not always available to most people instantly. And then how do you take these small steps basically? Well, and the other thing too about it and Chanda Prescott Weinstein said it today on, I think it was today on Twitter, you know, there's no escaping the, the, the quandaries of capitalism in capitalism. It's just where you're going to make your stands, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to be, we, we live and work in a capitalist system. And as long as we're doing that, we're going to run into these things that are going to um, be stressors. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, where are you going to make your, where are you going to, you know, sort of say this doesn't work for me or this works for me, which is kind of where I'm coming from with the figuring out how to work where you are because you don't get to leave capitalism there's still going to be exploitation no matter where you go it's Mm -hmm. the it's just the core of the system Mm -hmm. so so what i think about and i I have a couple people i'm coaching who are dealing with burnout and one of the things is that like identifying what is the thing that's just closing down your whole system when you start to think about it so Mm -hmm. somebody commented the idea that i'm not appreciated or that i'm not working hard enough right Mm -hmm. so it gets back to that sense of people's relationship or detachment from work or a sense of powerlessness which we talked about last week not being appreciated really leads to burnout Mm -hmm. so then the question if if that's a stressor for me Mm -hmm. if my stressor is um this mind thing of I'm not appreciated. I'm not, I'm not working hard. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not appreciated. I'm not working hard. I'm not appreciated. The question is how, what are, what sets that off? So you can either avoid those triggers or what's the work with some kind of guide or teacher or monk or whatever, what's the work to detach from the thinking Mm -hmm. because other people's perception of how hard you're working is nobody's business mm-hmm. and yet it is the very heart and soul of academia right 
because right. it's the external, it's the very meaning of external validation that we are going to judge whether you have done enough on your right. dissertation, whether you have done enough on your comprehensive exams, whether you've done enough for your tenure case. So, I mean, it's almost like it's endemic to our entire structure. So we have it hard. Yeah. In academia right. to overcome. Especially, especially because every single step you meet becomes the floor. Yeah. And then you have to, everybody else is there and you're supposed to climb another, like you never, nobody ever notices the 16 flights because everybody's just on that floor now. It's like, yeah, here we all are. Right. So, and you know, somebody else has commented that same thing about feeling like I can't stay afloat, right? I I can't get ahead. I can't stay afloat. And this Mm -hmm. gets back to like so much being demanded of us, but it also, also in there is so much being demanded of us and and are not being able or willing to set a boundary. Mm-hmm. So that gets back to that. When we know the stressors, then we can start to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Then we can start to change them. Then we can start to say, yeah, that's not possible without mm-hmm. causing harm to my system. Mm-hmm. But I still think I want to go back. I mean, I know maybe this is only speaking to me and not to anybody else. But I feel like there's just something important about this investing emotionally and then not getting a return. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like like there's so much here and the comments that we've had so far about feeling that I'm not appreciated, that I'm not working hard enough, that I couldn't get ahead or stay afloat, that uh, my stressors are the administrators and the students, that, that so much of this involves being invested emotionally in, in, yes. in a relationship, uh, yeah, I guess a relationship and, and responses that we don't get, that we don't get to a large extent in academia. Right, right. Or, or, the, or the relationship is so phenomenally extractive. It's not a, it's not a mutual relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, the demands of teaching, mm-hmm. the demands of, of service work, those demands that are, are built on this idea of collegiality and everybody working together. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, I mean, I, th- I want to be really clear that I think a lot of people get a lot of joy of that mutual support in those things. I think a lot of people get it with their work with their colleagues. I think all of that. And I think that the demands of the university have increased so much that it, that, that, that it's tipping where, where it didn't used to tip, it's tipping badly now. And so mm-hmm. I think that's the, dis, the disorienting part. It's like, why isn't this working? Well, it's yeah. because now I'm on four committees instead right. of two. And now I have students who you know, are talking to faculty all week long about just the exhaustion of the end of the term with mm-hmm. the students coming in to navigate their grades and, and, and talk about their grades and just like, I'm tired. I'm mm-hmm. tired like everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we have a really, we have two comments that just popped in. The first one, I 100% feel that is what it is for me, Karen. I have invested emotionally in my job and what I get back just feels like abuse. We've been told administrators don't care about non-tenured faculty. Our jobs are constantly threatened and we're always being asked to do more to prove our commitment. And then we get ghosted. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I, I feel like I know. I mean, this is one of those things where I have like this niggling sense that something is true, but then I don't, I'm not like prepared to articulate it well. But I feel like if almost if, as if that's the crux of the whole problem, the whole generational shift. Uh, and uh, the whole generational shift is about funding. It is about money. It's, it's about compensation, absolutely. But it's also that it, the previous generations felt they absolutely invested emotionally. And then I think that somehow they felt that they got enough back that made it a, a, an effective, reasonable, plausible system. And now a lot of people don't. Right. And I think the system has changed dramatically. Even the system that you and I stepped into in 1990 mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. was a lot different. It was. Than the one we left. It was. And the one we left was a lot different than the one that people are in right now. Yeah. yeah. And then you add to that the phenomenal labor demands that just were auto expected in the in the pandemic. I mean, and it's, a, I think, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I think that the way that faculty responded to the pandemic was such a clear picture of how profoundly emotionally devoted they were to their jobs. Mm -hmm. Because when we couldn't do classes in person and classes had to go online and administration came and said, all your classes need to go online, Everybody jumped in and did it. They worked yeah, their whole summer. The they rose to the occasion with no compensation at all. Mm -hmm. And so they rose up and then they had faculty tell them, I mean, administration tell them, now you have to do this. Now you're going to do hybrid. Now you're going to do this. And it's that thing of like, I've invested all this. I've put in so much mm -hmm. and you're just going to keep taking. Oh, I get it now. Mm -hmm. Fuck this shit. And I think that, you know, students in some ways are in the same boat. You know, pe people are talking about their students being exhausted and burned out, but it's like, we, we did the classes online and then we did this and then we did that. And nobody listened to our frustration and, right. and, you know, we, there was wildly different responses. We know from our own kids, wildly different responses based on the faculty member about what you got and what you know, what forgiveness you got or adaptation, you know, people going, I know this is a crisis. Your mental health is, you know, and other people like, yeah, whatever, do the assignment or flunk the class. I don't care. So they were having the same, like, I'm trying to be invested in this university and I'm not getting anything back. Mm -hmm. So I, I understand why there's this sea of burnout right now. And not to be apocalyptic as I always am, but in a way, <laughs> I think young people are looking ahead, looking at life in general, the way that we, again, this is just going to be one of those weird Karen vague generalizations, but like we kind of invested emotionally in the idea of a viable future <laughs> and the meaning of life, like that life had meaning and the arc of life had meaning and that things were like getting better and things were meaningful. And I'm not sure that that's available to kids, young people in the same way. I'm really not. And yeah, so and I'm way, always... it's almost like burnout, you know, so I sort of am trying to, I think what I'm trying to get at um, is like kind of spiritual burnout as opposed to simply a work burnout. And I realize we're here to talk about work. That's our shtick at the professor is in. We're not here to be, you know, think, talk about spiritual stuff, but I, I, I feel like that's where my mind is going. Mm-hmm. 
which is somebody has this great comment that I wonder if that emotional relationship with work is standing in for emotional relationships that aren't present throughout the rest of life. Like, I wonder what the presence of that relationship is doing for us that isn't happening elsewhere. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I was rather I, like, I read that I was like, whoa, whoa. right. Right. <laughs> but, and, and what that made me think of was when you're the weird kid who likes books and sits in a corner at social gatherings and reads your whatever. And then you find all these people who are like that and you, and who love the, in the mind and intellect and conversation and all of that. It makes perfect sense to me that it's like, I found my place Mm. and I finally have a place I can do this. And, and then what is relationship the relationship with your colleagues, which I think there are lots of people have wonderful intellectual relationships with their colleagues, kind of masks the the mechanism behind it all, the, the the administration, the everything. And so, you know, when your colleagues, when you went home to do work on Zoom and you didn't have colleagues and you didn't have anybody to do anything with, what you got was capitalism stripped bare. Yeah. Here's your labor, do this, right? Here's your labor, do this with none of the pleasure the small daily pleasures of What's not the relationship in the hallway and mm-hmm. you know let's go grab some coffee and uh, but i do wonder person on zoom who commented that about relationships that aren't present is that what you meant i'd love to know more about what you mean because i could see taking that in some other different ways and i'm just curious but um yeah, someone on Facebook says, yeah, no, the world's on fire, melting, collapsing, geopolitically a hot mess with economics and financial mess, plus navigating identities in this space and the intersectionality, yikes. Yeah. Right. So there's there's plenty of reason for burnout. I do want to just try to, you know, as we're now well into yet another podcast discussing burnout, I do want to get back to a couple of the solutions that oh, I thought okay. about, yeah, okay. right? I, because I do... <laughs> I do think it's so critical to mm. do that, to, to first start to track your stress level, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I think that people who live in the life of the mind sometimes maybe forget to notice their bodies. We've talked about that before. So mm-hmm. just keeping track, right? Just writing down, get, having a timer go off and ha- write a note about how you were doing in the last hour. And, you know, there's eight gazillion apps and trackers and everything else that you can, if you're into gadgets, man, you can find a gadget that can track it. Found out a new gadget that I'm going to, I'm trying to resist being involved in, but there's, it's called whoop, I think W H O O P. And it's a watch that tracks all sorts of things like that. Sleep, breathing, oxygen, all that. Anyway, so track your stress levels and then as you're doing that, you might be able to identify what sets off the stress. Mm-hmm. And can I just say, if it's not clear, you're not doing this so you can get back to work. <laughs> you're doing this because you deserve to be whole and healthy and at peace. That's why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So th- if each step that you do, you measure by, am I productive? Am I more productive? Am I getting my work done? And man, you will have you will have people all around you asking for you to use that as the measure. Mm-hmm. And that's not the measure. The measure is you deserve to reduce your stress because you deserve to reduce your stress, mm-hmm. period. Yes, it has a benefit. But that's not the point. Making it a, an equation doesn't help. 
I learned that in chronic illness stuff of like, no, you're not reducing your stress. So your body feels better. You're reducing your stress. That will be the outcome likely, but you're reducing your stress because you deserve to reduce your stress. Right. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that set you off? Mm -hmm. You know, is it a, is, do you, do you look at a project that you promised to do and you're not doing it and it's making you even more despondent? It's time to let go of the project. It's time to disappoint people straight up instead of lingering over, you know, two years. It's just Disappoint to say them directly instead of indirectly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead of grinding them into the ground, it's <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do this. Right. And, and, you know, we work a lot with people on emails of really want to thank you for the opportunity given the pandemic and my other blah, blah, blah. I'm going to have to withdraw from this project. I hope to work with you again in the future. And then you just let it be okay that people are upset. Mm-hmm. And I know that's hard. Mm-hmm. The other thing, you know, with Unstuck, one of the things we do with Unstuck is um, Julia Cameron's morning pages from The Artist's Way. So she wrote a book called The Artist's Way, and she came up with this idea of just writing three pages longhand every morning. No, there, that's it. That's the only rule. There's no about anything. It's stream of consciousness, whatever is in your head, blurted out onto paper for three pages. And I cannot recommend enough taking up that practice in recovery from anything, but burnout in particular, Mm -hmm. just get it out of your head with, this is not productive people. (laughs) You know, sometimes with unsuckle, like do your morning pages. Oh, I planned my article. Right. It's really not, I but okay. I written a three-page essay on. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's really just whatever's in your head. And, yeah. and it is a eye-opening experience to see what's in your head. Yeah. Yeah. So some kind of journaling practice, mm-hmm. the, the people who seem to know about burnout highly recommend. Well, I just want to stand in for the, for the whiners. For the whiners, you're like, this all sounds like so much more work. I don't want to write three pages and I don't want to get a watch that I have to monitor about my breathing. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to, well, first I, of no, all, I, I no, and B, I'm trying to represent the voices of the people who probably don't even want to say that because it's kind of embarrassing to say, oh my God, every solution you're proposing sounds like worse than what I'm already doing, which Mm -hmm. I know there are people out there like that, not necessarily here today, but you know. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that that is a um, 100% testament to how exhausted, how over the top finished you are Mm -hmm. about shit. And Mm -hmm. so it's not... I think that that's a perfectly reasonable response. So the question I would have, like if I was coaching, I'm not saying the the experts don't say to do this, but I'm saying if I'm coaching you, I would say, what is the thing that you would agree to do? Mm -hmm. Would you agree to write a paragraph? Mm -hmm. Would you agree to write a sentence, Mm -hmm. paint a picture? Yeah. Could you just wake up in the morning and draw a sketch of how you feel? Mm -hmm. The idea of tracking your stressors. Okay. So I'm a gadget person. You're not a gadget person. If I said, get a watch, you'd be like, I don't want a watch, but 
that doesn't mean that you can't start the day saying, I'm going to, today, I am going to do my best to notice when I get stressed. That's it. Just tell your system, we're going to notice stress today. Hey, friends, Mm -hmm. we're going to notice stress today. Mm -hmm. That's it. Right. Right? I'm continually surprised at how, I mean, even, I mean, every single day, I'm surprised at how much I normalize certain kinds of stress and stressors. So like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't have an example, but something that I do, some technical thing I do to keep the professors in running and, and how often I just take on more and more and more. I mean, in some ways it's delegate, delegating, you know, that that lesson had to be learned and is still, I'm still learning it. uh, And I'm much better at it now, but you know, just the auto, the, 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 the auto assumption of responsibility. Right. Right. And certainly with kids too. Right. Well, there's the auto, there's not just the auto assumption of responsibility, but there's the auto I'm going to take, I'm it's, I'm responsible and I have to do it at the highest level possible. Mm-hmm. Right. I actually am recovering from burnout. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the perfect meal every night. Right. You're going to get frozen meals from grocery outlet, right? Because right. it's going to be food, and I'll go ahead and pick the organic ones if I need to. Yeah, but we're going to go to the least common, the minimal viable product. What is the minimal viable product in every one of these categories? And we don't really have a way. We don't really have permission to say, "I'm going to make it. I'm going to get by." with mm-hmm. my kids for the next three months. I'm going to get by with my job. Mm-hmm. Not I, because what we do instead is like, I got to get over the shit and get this work done. I got to get these kids better food. I got to get, I got to get, I got to get. Stop already. So it might be useful in the same way that I've talked so often about how revelatory uh, discovering that I am autistic has been for me. Thanks to Twitter, and uh, autistic Twitter, actually, hashtag actually autistic, talking about all of these symptoms that I finally began to recognize them. And, and I think so in a way it was a diagnosis and the diagnosis freed me up to, to stop blaming myself for all these practices and, um, and, and all these habits and all these weird, this weird shit that I do all the time. And that if you, if we could treat burnout like a diagnosis and again, self, it is a diagnosis. Yes. And also self-diagnosis, allow it, be, allow, and, of, and in burnout, even maybe, maybe even more than autism, it has to be a self-diagnosis. I don't know about that, but right. self-diagnosis, burnout. I am suffering from burnout. I have a condition. The condition is burnout. The burnout is going to lead to the following symptoms, which we went through last week, by the way, if you weren't here last week, we gave a list of like 40 symptoms of burnout. And uh, yeah, and then maybe that's the that's the intervention. It's just that awareness. I don't know, that makes sense to me. Yeah, um, I don't said, I, it's like you were in my office. Y'all are so right on. I'm so happy. <laughs> so someone I wonder what part though. Yeah, so okay. someone there are two things that were mentioned that I think are, are everything's worth engaging with, but I want to make sure we highlight one is that someone, the same person first asking, how do you know if it's a procrastination versus I'm not going to do this? We don't have time to do a whole, for me to do the whole rundown of procrastination. 
But procrastination, if you are thinking that procrastination is you failing to do something or you just being lazy or you just being whatever you're filling in about procrastination, that's not correct. Procrastination is a response to a whole bunch of things. And maybe we'll talk about it next week. I'm also doing a webinar on it next, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. But the first thing is there's no difference between I don't want to do this and procrastination. There's just mm-hmm. different, there's just di- think, different things that have to be sorted through. Why don't you want to do it? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want to do this is when it's like, no, I don't want to do this is I'm going to get rid of this. I am afraid to do this. I'm putting, I'm anxious about doing this. I'm avoiding this very different thing. And then the other thing is, is if it's, if burnout is a diagnosis, then how do we get re- reasonable accommodation from our employer? I think that's a fantastic question and a fantastic sort of charge to everyone is let's go out and find out because I was think it was in the, I think it was in the Atlantic that they talked about burnout being a diagnosis. There's another article talking about the World Health Organization calling it a diagnosis. So where do we get uh, effective accommodation. And, and somebody pointed out that FMLA is probably it. And that's probably it. You're absolutely right. But what I would love to see, cause I've worked with people on helping them get FMLA and I know how hard it is for them. And it's not hard because the system makes it hard. It's hard because I mean, like the steps are fairly easy, but getting to the point that you're willing to go ask for accommodation is the steepest of all steep Hills, mm-hmm. instead of just the steps, which are go to your doctor, say, I need this diagnosis. I need these limitations. Go to your HR and say, I have a diagnosis. I need these, this accommodation. And that's it. Mm -hmm. But you have to be willing to say, this isn't my fault, right? It's like, oh, it's not, it's, you know, it's my fault that I have this chronic illness. So I have to keep working instead of getting accommodation. Or I have, you know, it's my fault that I have X, Y, or Z. And, and the system will tell you that. And it's a lie. And it's just, yeah. fuck that shit. That's I what mean, I mean. And it is, I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but if you're waiting for affirmation from your department head or your colleagues or your dissertation advisor, you're going to be waiting forever. I know this. Yeah. They're not going to give it to you. Right. And I know this is going to seem like a tangent, but, and it probably is, but just for me to wrap up, I just want to add that this is what happens when I talk to people about asking their department for money for coaching mm. and for things, it, the, the response of people are going to think that people are going to think I'm weak. People, they did it without it. And, and you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who said she gets, she gets funding for all the coaching stuff she does with me. I worked with her for seven years now. She said, every single time I go in, they say, well, I did this myself or I, and she said, and I think that's your problem. <laughs> right. Can I have the money, please? But do you see how shaming it is? It's shame. So can I? Oh, go ahead. I just think, and and it follows up on another comment on Facebook, like the shame, the shame portion of it, but also the back to the FMLA, like the, you should be able to do this. Like if you take time off, you're not, you're, you're relieved from the work. Right. So I have two stories to tell very briefly. The first one is that I put up, um, I'm often, often, often asked about uh, dissertation coaches. And so I decided that it was a really good idea to put it up on the professors in Facebook page and sort of crowdsource that question. And we got about 50, maybe 30 responses with great. I use this person. I use that person. Lots of links, really great list. 
such a great, valuable resource. And then sure enough, three different guys, and they were all guys, came on and said, what's a dissertation coach? Isn't your department, uh, isn't your uh, dissertation chair supposed to do that? And then someone said, pshaw, I didn't need a coach. I just wrote the damn thing and then got a contract with the University of Oxford Press and all of these things. And um, yeah, <laughs> Cal is flying the middle finger. Uh, both hands, both middle both fingers hands. up, yeah. hold them hands high, middle fingers up, tell them boy, bye. Yeah. Um, and it was shaming. I mean, it's shaming. That's what it is. And then, and then just to share another real quick story, more on point about FMLA. I was recently, someone got in touch with me to tell me that um, she had a, she was pregnant, had a child, but uh, had a very, um, the child and her both ended up with a significant injury after birth. She had to take extended leave. When she came back, I think that her department had came to her, to her hospital bed to get her to do paperwork. And then when she finally came back, um, said, I hope you enjoyed your little, your little vacation. You certainly did put a lot of uh, work onto the rest of us while you were gone. So, you know, just going to go back to the, we're not going to escape capitalism, no matter where we are. And shitty colleagues. Right. But it's the same bullshit. You, even if you're in the hospital, you don't get to escape it. Yeah, so right. listen, I'm just going to, I want to, I, I feel like we didn't talk about all the things, but here are the same boring things you always hear, right? Mm. Exercise, mm -hmm. diet, mindfulness, mm -hmm. networks, right? Do things you enjoy. Pick I'm not saying and, and call somebody like reach out and have a conversation. I know it's hard. I'm an introvert. I hate it. But it, every time someone finally persuades me to do it, I feel better afterwards. Right. So, the, so that I know I'm saying those at the end, like then and then and then, and I'm saying it because I know your brains are probably going, I know I'm supposed to get exercise. I know I'm supposed to do. So here's the thing I'm going to suggest. So you start, just start this way. Make a list of things you enjoy, not all in one day. Don't make it a big job. Just like put a thing on the refrigerator and every once in a while when you look at it, just walk over and write down something you enjoy and then leave it hanging up there. And every once in a while, try to do something you enjoy. That's the way to start, right? Every week, pick one meal that is better for your body. Your body. I'm not telling you what that meal is. Your body. Every week, pick one day that you move, whatever way you like. I don't care what it is. You can do, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Just the something that starts to feel like you're just making those little tiny claims for your system and your body. Okay. That's what I have to say. All right. My mind went immediately to, well, what makes brings me joy is eating an entire box of Girl Scout cookies in one sitting, but I'm not sure that that's, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that that ultimately brings you joy. That's what I would argue in the moment, in the addictive moment. Yes. In the numbing moment. Absolutely. TikTok is, is my joy in, in my numbing moments. That's not long-term. Sure. 15 minutes of TikTok, the half a day. Mm, too many TikTok calories. Anyway. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. As always. Comments and questions. And good luck. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.